What's up, everybody? I'm Brian Wayne, and welcome to episode 31 of the Cheers to Comics podcast. This week, I'll be raising my horn to all of the comics released on the 15th of May, 2019, as well as talking about all things relevant to the world of comic books. Full disclosure, there will be a whole bunch of language and all the spoilers. So, if you're cool with all that, grab yourself something to drink and let's talk comic books. Uh, let's talk the news first. And the news, it's really all just a bunch of um, uh, creative titles and teams and everything. Just stuff that you wouldn't think would ever happen again is happening. Let's start out with... Uh, Fucking, oh good, where's the, the board of stuff? This is awesome. It just disappeared. Is it because I turned around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh man. So Raja Ghoul, are we keeping this? Let's keep it. Raja Ghoul is going to get his own miniseries. Who's doing that miniseries? Well, the creator of Raja Ghoul, Neil Adams. You may know him from such comic books as everything from the the era of the, uh, the Silver Age of comic books and Batman. He does all of the iconic covers, is what it comes down to. Uh, and he's gonna do a fucking old goddamn series with Raja Ghoul, character he created. Find that to be a big deal. It's gonna be a late summer release. I don't know, it's summer. Not any time directly soon, but stay tuned. What else? Oh, uh, Spider-Gwen is getting rebooted. Same writer, though. What it comes down to... So this isn't... Normally I wouldn't just say this is... because, or I wouldn't really find this to be news. Because Marvel's all about them reboots. But they're, I found it weird they're going to keep the same writer. New artist... I don't recall who the artist is, but the the, the big deal here, here is Gwen is making her way into Earth 616, so she's going to be chilling with all the mother spider motherfuckers. It's about time. I've always enjoyed Gwen Stacy, and oh shit, imagine Peter Parker 616 meeting uh, Gwen Stacy from another time again. Well, I mean, I'm sure they've met. Obviously, right? Yeah, no, there's definitely... Sure. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's... Uh, hmm. Imagine the possibilities. I find that to be intriguing. I'm, st- I'm jumping on. I've been enjoying Spider-Gwen, but I, I feel the, the, the new run that they gave her, they just didn't do it right. They played too much into the, the tie-ins and the aftermath of the Spider-Geddon event. I just don't think she got justice with her new series. I'm excited to see that she's not only is she getting a new series, she's relevant in 616. Wildcats. Remember the 90s? Wildcats, Jim Lee's creation, is back. I I have a few Wildcats, so I'm pretty sure. I know. I had a feeling you would tune in when I mentioned this. Uh, you're, you're my 90s guy. You, you're you're my '90s comics guy. Just for the, dude, f- dude, it's been so long since I've read Wildcats. I couldn't give you the briefest synopsis. Well, I wh- couldn't. 
What if I told you that it's being rebooted coming in August and Warren motherfucking Ellis is writing it? That's a big deal. Warren Ellis is one of the greatest writers of all time. He did Transmetropolitan and oh, just uh, it's so fucking yes. good. It's a big deal. It's got potential. Oh, it's got a lot of fucking potential. And John Remeter Jr. is fucking penciling it. That's that's huge. I know a lot of people. There's there, well, I can't. Say, I, there's a, a a cult group of people that hate on John Romita Jr. But and he just I mean let's face it he never really lived up to his daddy. That's fine. Two completely different styles. I like John Romita Jr. and I think that him teaming up with Warren Ellis is dope. And bringing a Jim Lee '90s creation to life with Wildcats in the DC universe. Mm, I dig it. I dig it mucho. Fucking I mean the. One thing that I'll say is that it just, when it came to anything 90s image, it felt like they had to maintain the quality that Spawn had throughout everything they had. And Wildcat on 90s image was, yeah. Jim Lee, buddy. I mean, well, that... yeah, he's gonna draw it five times, and well, the thing is, is uh, even Jim Lee admitted that was him still learning how to draw comics. <laughs> he was, <laughs> and it was still great. But he's Jim Lee, dude. That's the thing. Is like he, he is one of the 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 living le- one of the... oh Rush Mount Rushmore of comics all time uh, illustrators for show. All right. Well... Yes. Last but not least, the goon. The Goon is back. We know that it got rebooted again, which is a, a great deal because it's got a small but heavy cult following. Uh, and this last issue that came out, issue one of The Goon, turned out to be the highest selling issue of The Goon of all time. Well, that's pretty fucking cool, right? Uh, well, for a long time, there was a huge push for there to be a movie, and then we got this animated trailer, and this animated movie never happened. As great as this animated trailer was. Well, confirmed, we are getting a Goon animated movie in production coming soon. That's really fucking cool. Eric Powell, congratulations. You've been working... To make this happen for a long time, and I can't wait to raise my horn <laughs> to you when, uh, uh, oh man, <laughs> I'm 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 stoked. You know, it's actually even super relevant because I met him just the other day at Free Comic Book Day at Mile High, and I just so happened to have a, a uh, signed copy of that issue that I was just talking about, and he even did a little doodle of the goon on it. So maybe if I'm feeling super generous, you guys can convince me to give it to you. Convince me hard on Twitter. But that's that's the news. There's a good chunk of news. Uh, but I think it's all worthy to mention. A lot of creators that are just legendary. Back in comics, doing legendary things. So, kudos to you. Get on with the overview. Start with the indies. Only two indies to mention this week. Let's start with IDW. Transformers number five. Brian Rookley, Anna Malkova, and Hel Hernandez. Sarah Petrie, Durocher. Oops, said it wrong. Durocher. There we go. And Joanna Lafuente. I got the Andrew Griffith cover. 
Golly, these covers are dope. So, there's a lot of subtleness happening here, and a lot of those subtle pages, really, I have a feeling you'd have to be a major Transformers fan to appreciate it. Like, there's a moment where we see somebody that I'm not admittedly familiar with interacting with the pterodactyl. I know that means something on account of the dinosaurs and whatnot, Dinobots, I don't know. Uh, the bulk of this story, essentially, is Rubbles going home from his... Um, mentorship with Wheeljack. And Wheeljack is like, can you make it home on your own? And Rebel's like, ah, I got this. You know, I take three lefts at the this, and then I go four lefts and down this, and I got it. So he's cruising through town, and he starts seeing these, oh, what the fuck are they called? Voins. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, I've heard of the Voins. And he sees a whole bunch of the Voins. Like, I think I took a wrong turn, maybe? Well... He gets fucking lost, and he sees something afoot in an alley. He sees a little bit of violence, and this violence witnesses him witnessing it. And attack! And poor little Rubble's gotta run. That's that part of the story. And the other part of the story is Bee's little mission. Uh, If you've been following the story, you know that Bumblebee has been called to duty. That's why he can't be there for his... Uh, the the person he's supposed to be training, his mentoree, uh, Rubble. Uh, his his mission essentially seems to be to infiltrate infiltrate Megatron's crew, and he's got to go through. Oh, what the fuck's his name? Senator Soundwave. Senator Soundwave, don't trust Bumblebee. He's got to make Senator Soundwave. It's yeah, it's a whole lot of back and forth. Still no punchy punchy from the robots though. We're getting traces of potential violence, but you also got to keep in mind that this is a planet at this point in time that is known for being violence-free. They pride themselves on that. But, I mean, I understand it's kind of a an origin story, but it flies issues, I need to speed this bitch up. I'm I I'm still subscribed. I, I I like the fact that I'm still able to start recognizing these robots and learning their faces and all of that. Dig it. Image Comics Farmhand number eight. Rob Guillory, <clears throat> with color by Taylor Wells, and the cover also done by Rob Guillory. Sure. The the first pages we get a kind of a. A past sequence. Really, it's one of his uh, Jed's earlier patients. He's blind, and now he sees, but he's got flower eyes, hence the cover. And uh, I like it. It's great. It's... I like it when covers are relevant to the comic. Well, it couldn't be any more relevant to. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. Well, this guy. The, uh, throughout this book, it subtly mentioned that. I mean, whatever's going on here, there's, it's a very odd thing. It's not, I mean, the whole premise of this book is regenerating body parts via plant matter. And, it, yeah. Well, it turns out this guy through time sees too good. And he's seeing on frequencies that people shouldn't normally see. And it's freaking him out, man. At uh, one point throughout this entire story, they mention that there's a way to cure it, but it's th- through a word. You just, abracadabra, but we don't know what that word is. And, uh, 
So this patient comes back to Jed years and years later and is like, say the word. And Jed's like, I don't, believe, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, flash forward to his son, Zeke. He's at home. His, uh, his boy has this weird caterpillar veggie dog <laughs> that he's been sneaking around. Well, Zeke finds out, and he's like, oh, I'm taking this to Grandpa, because he's the fucking freak with all the weird veggie stuff. Little caterpillar dog will do fine right there. So he does that, but when he gets there, he finds that his daddy's fucked up, because old, uh, what is this fucker? The, the, the patient's his name. I forgot his name. His name's uh, Jacob. Yeah, Jacob Roy. That's his name. And then Jacob Roy's attacking, and they're going back and forth, and we get fire pokers to the face. And Jacob Roy, I mean, he's more than just a sunflower eyeball seer guy. He's also kind of strong, too, and he's taking them down pretty easily. And, uh, <laughs> get the little fucking caterpillar dog. I love it. It's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> yeah, no, it's you. We get violence in this motherfucker, but then we go to the mayor. The mayor finds out. We know the mayor, I want to say her first name is Veronica. Last name's definitely Thorn. There's de- uh, there, there's a history between Jedediah and the family and Zeke and whatever, but when she finds out the Jedediah has been attacked, she pissed. And that's kind of how the, the, the page ends, is her visibly angry at the fact that somebody's taking down her... Her, her Jedediah. I'm not totally sure what that means. I'm totally fucking into it, though. I love this goddamn book. And it's because of Chu that I'm reading this. Rob Giller is just amazing. He thought he could draw. He could write a fucking story, too. Um, That's all I got for indies. Modest week, but... <clears throat> oh, man, good stuff. All stuff that I highly suggest you read. Let's move on to DC. And I'm happy to say that I'm going to talk about a Batman book done by Tom King that I am not 1,000% confused by. I'm actually only 860% confused by this one. So, progress. Mikel Janine and Jorge Fornes killing the art in this book. The, uh, visually... The, the the way these these artists go back and forth I like I really like how Tom King assigns the panels to the artists and says all right in this time frame this artist is going to do this style and then uh, in real time Mikel Janine you're gonna take over and fuck it's they're so different but still complement each other so well but as far as the story goes. Um, it's, it is all pertaining to nightmares, it could very well be still in nightmares, but I'm convinced that by the time issue 75 comes around, I'm going to be satisfied at this point. Uh, how do I explain what's going on here? It starts out with the red bat signal, and Commissioner Gordon is pissed. And if you've been following the story at this point, you know that there's some bad blood between uh, Batman and Gordon. You know, he got punched in the face at one time. 
it's just Gordon thinks Batman is losing it, losing his mind. He can't trust his judgment anymore on account of how he beat Bane senseless in Arkham when Bane's considered to be part vegetative, or so he's making people believe. And really, that's what all of this is pertaining to. So there's a red bat signal that goes up. Gordon's like, well, what the fuck? He's just going to come in here in my house and red bat signal this bitch? But meanwhile, the bat family's like, oh, fuck. We know what that means. Shit is bad. So it's calling all bat family. And we get a great montage scene of all of the bat family coming together. I love the fact that you see Damien with, he's taking out Professor Pig at the time. (laughs) Uh, They're all doing their own thing. Some of them come, some of them don't. You know, Jason Todd, he does not. But we do get Tim Drake and Batwoman, and we even get Black Lightning showing up. I think Signal's in there, Orphan. So I think all of the outsiders show up. I, I, I like it. I, 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 re- I really like it. And they get the meeting in, on the rooftop, and at this point you start to question things again. But you're, you're questioning it to the point where you feel <laughs> like you are going to actually get answers. You're, you're not like, am I missing something? Because that's how I've been feeling throughout all of Nightmares. I felt like I've just been missing something. And it's just a very long story. That's all it is. Told through several arcs. A lot of these arcs going all the way back to issue 50 is what it comes down to. Issue 50 through 75 are all one arc as it's going to come down. And yeah, so that's essentially that, that that's what's happening there. Now... On notes about Batman and Tom King outside of this book particularly, Tom King announced that he is going to break the world of Batman. No pun intended because of how this book is. It's about Batman being broken in this book. Well, Tom King says that he's going to do something so groundbreaking when it comes to the the character of Batman, and DC is allowing it to stick. So I don't know if, I mean, who knows what they're going to do. Maybe he's so heartbroken by Selina that he, he Tom King makes him gay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in this, in this day and age, that's where my mind went first. I was like, if you're going to fucking, like, completely change Batman, yeah, make him gay. Sure. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll be and something like they're like just going to kill Alfred. Put out on Brian. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> it's all about them clicks, right? No, they'll probably just end up killing Alfred or something. I don't know. Or uh, who, who knows? But the fact is, is I believe Tom King. He's going to fuck some shit up for sure. He is definitely going to piss somebody off. I don't fucking doubt that. Um, yeah. I, I, as confused as I am with this book, I'm less confused than normal with Batman. So, like I said, progress. And uh, visually, it's just, it, it makes up for all of the confusion. I mean, there, there's there's a page in here where you actually get to see Bruce on a table. You see Bane on the other end eating with Thomas Wayne Batman standing behind Bane with Alfred serving them food. I don't know what that fucking means. But how how fucking cool is that? I mean, just think about that. That's it's gonna lead to something cool, right? Jesus Christ, it'd be a total waste not to. Uh, let's move on to more badishness. Nightwing number sixty. 
Dan Jurgens, Chris Mooneyham, and Nick Filardi. Covered by Mooneyham. Well, now. The last issue we were left with a uh, burn back. Fucking shit up. Well, now we got Nightwing. And instead of calling all these cops by their names and other Nightwing, <laughs> Rick has actually been subtly giving them his own code names. And he even admits it's kind of half assed for some of them. Uh, like, well, what's his name? Sapienza, the guy that, the detective that formed this whole group. Rick's calling him Nightwing Prime. That's cool. It's suiting. And then I, f- I forget the uh, the other cat's name, but he's the one wearing red. <laughs> Nightwing's just like, he's going to be Nightwing Red. <laughs> it's corny, but it works. And he's not wrong. It's easy for me. I appreciate it. Essentially, they're they're fighting Burnback. Firehose puts it out. They don't have faith for how long, you know, they're not like he's gone forever. They're very much under the impression that now's their chance to get the fuck out of there. So they regroup. Uh, Nightwing goes, or Rick goes his separate way, and Sap's explaining to, or Prime is explaining to Red. Does that make things easy? Uh, That he don't necessarily trust Rick so much yet. He's cab driver that knows too much without divulging much about himself. So we're going to kind of keep a secret Nightwing team to ourselves. Meanwhile, two of the other Nightwingians, yeah, I kind of like that, uh, Zach and Colleen, they go off to question the Stapleton. Who's Stapleton? Stapleton's the daughter of... Oh, shit. Um... Uh, Mr. Stapleton. <laughs> he, he he died. She's seeking revenge. That's uh, and she's a suspect of a bunch of fire bombings targeting police. So that's who they're going to attack. She seems to be the number one suspect. They go to track her down, and she's like, "I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I ain't doing shit." Meanwhile, Burnback shows up. And she's like, "Who the fuck is this?" They're like, "Wait, you guys aren't working together." And then Burnback conveniently is like. No, I'm not here to hurt you, Miss Stapleton. I'm here to help you. And she's like, oh, say word. I understand what you guys are coming after, but we weren't. Mm. And that's kind of how that ends. (laughs) I'm actually really starting to like this team. I I have been liking this team. I continue to like this team more and more as it goes on. I thought they'd all be dead by now. At least I thought someone would be dead. Good on Rick. Yeah, I don't hate Rick Grayson anymore. I never really hated it. I just thought the idea was goofy. I'm okay with it now. Superman, number 11. Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Claire Albert, and Alex Sinclair. Ivan Reese, Prado, and Sinclair also did the cover. It's a fucking sweet cover. So, the last issue, you saw Superman, Superboy, flying in the space, going to get uh, Daddy Jor-El. Well, when they get there, they see three alien races already attacking their ship. At this point, they don't know who's attacking who or for why. They're just, who the fuck are these people? And Superman uses this as an opportunity to teach his son uh, diplomacy over violence. He's like, you know, I don't fucking stop fucking all these goddamn aliens up, which I could do because I'm Superman. I am going to try to talk them all down. So each alien race in their own and his own specific way, he's like, ah, oh, let's come together right now over me. 
And boom. Uh, fucking Rogal's R goes flying by, and Superman's like, oh, fuck, that's the... Oh, shit, we gotta go get him. And he takes off way too fast, and Superman's like, yeah, I guess he's gone. I'm gonna go deal with this again. <laughs> it's kind of... it's A lot happens at once. It's funny, and it really kind of happens in real time, just like I explained it. If you read fast enough. <laughs> uh, I Oh, it's... It, and then Rogalzar comes back because Superman realizes, like, why would he? Oh, he was just trying to. Oh, it's a trap. But he comes back with Zod because the beginning of the book it starts out. The beginning of the book is actually the best part. They're in the Phantom Zone, and Zod and Rogalzar, who had just been beating the fuck out of each other for behind the scenes for issues and issues and issues and issues now. Decided maybe we should come together and try to get out of the fan zone. Maybe find a common ground, kill Superman. Mm, sounds good. And that's essentially what's going on here. And just as we're getting, we're fixing to get the battle between Zod and Rogal Zar and Superboy and uh, what's his name? Superman? I forget. <laughs> Supergirl and Crypto show up. <laughs> that's how it ends. God damn, dude! Super families much? I love it. The House of L. All about to get fucked up by Rogalzar, the being who is single-handedly responsible for destroying the planet of Krypton. Brian Michael Bendis has convinced me that Superman might actually be kinda cool. Justice League, on the other hand... Hmm... I can't say enough good things about this book. I was so fucking on the fence at first. I was worried that I didn't understand the metal run enough because it's fucking dense. And a lot of it really has to do with what the fuck's going on here. But over time, through 24 issues, you get the gist of what the fuck's happening. <laughs> Scott Snyder, uh, Jorge Jimenez, and Alejandro Sanchez. Covers by the same artists that I just said. Dude, this Sixth Dimension story is the best Justice League story I've ever read in my fucking life. I'm so goddamn convinced. Uh, Superman is still just flying in the abyss, just off of pure will. No sunlight in the distance, or in, in sight. He's he's just trying to make it off will. And that's how the, the, the story starts. And meanwhile, we get... <laughs> The, the the future Legion of Doom is helping our current Justice League. We that's how that I mean that'll happen in the last issue. Well, they're this ain't a trap. The future Justice or Legion of Doom is very 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 much about helping the Justice League. And goddamn is the dialogue between these teams so fucking great. Dark side, Dark side piloting. I, I holy fuck, it's so good. It is so fucking good. <laughs> and oh and then you get the meeting with Batman and World Forger and you thought that shit was crazy to begin with and the, the, the way Forger described Batman in the last one he was like oh Superman might have to be sacrificed but the will of this and that and balance and yeah uh, <laughs> it's so much more uh, because we know that the the, the our Batman is the one responsible for saving the universe with, by a very drastic decision, and this this is the decision playing out. So Forger takes him into 
this um, the, they call the Sunbox, and it was built from something called Element X. And essentially, it just allows Batman to see everything. It's Cerebro, is what it is. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. It's Cerebro. Well, uh, it turns out that, you know, Forger explains to Batman throughout time he's not just able to see people's thoughts, he's able to manipulate them and make them do things. And throughout time, he creates this machine, or essentially a bat suit, which they refer to as the final bat suit. And fuck is it dope. And really what it comes down to is now our Justice League has to stop our Batman in the final Batsuit in our time in the future with the 6th Dimension and the 5th Dimension and Superman. and uh, You just, this is, you seriously, you have to read it. You, you really have to read it. It's, oh fuck, it's so good. For someone that almost <coughs> dropped this book, <laughs> that really the, the best part though is the Legion of Doom. And they go out in a blaze of glory that almost brought a tear to my eye. And it was fucking good, man. It was, it's really good. What do they say? <laughs> now then, old friends, are you ready to be bad one last time? And you see Sinestro piloting the ship this time with Darkseid in the back and Cheetah and Gorilla Grodd just ready to fucking die. They're going to take out uh, um, Lois Lane. Oh, and by the way, future Jimmy Olsen. Take them out, because they're bad now, in the future. So that's what the fuck's happening in Justice League. Read it. Read it. That's DC. Good job, DC. Big week, big books, all... All... Fucking ten-star books. Let's move on to Marvel. There's a few books to talk about in Marvel. A whole bunch of a few books... Starting out with Guardians of the Galaxy number 5, Legacy 155, Donnie Cates, Jeff Shaw, Dave Carrillo. Oh boy. Remember how Peter got shot in that last one? And that was, I actually thought for a second, being a stupid head, that maybe, maybe Peter Quill might actually be dead. No. He's <laughs> fucking wearing body armor. But it got me wanting to read this issue even more. <laughs> so, he survives. Beta Ray, Bill's like, you know what, I'm gonna fucking, I got an idea, we can move around faster. I know a guy. Well, if you read Donnie Cases in Humans, you learn that Beta Ray Bill, his friend was uh, a certain inhuman puppy dog whom teleports. Lockjaw. He calls upon Lockjaw. Lockjaw shows up. Every that that's a whole fucking goddamn great scene. It's this is a dialogue book. Anything that has to do with Donny Cates, you get a dialogue book. Meanwhile, we go back to the Dark Guardians. They have Gamora. Whoopsies. Uh, well, they gonna kill Gamora. Well, Black Order shows up. Black Order's being led by Hela. We know Hela's want to put the head of Thanos on the body of Thanos so that. Thanos could be reincarnated, and yeah. So Hela shows up just, just, just right before um, Gamora could be dead. And then she explains, well, check this out, bitches. This was Thanos' plan the whole time to get all you some bitches in this one spot, including you, Eros, who is uh, the guy kind of controlling the Dark Guardians. Well... Uh, to wrap it all up, turns out that Thanos will be incarnated, not reincarnated in Gamora like everyone suspected. It's Eros. Eros. I don't know how you say it. That's a big deal. And 
then uh, fucking <laughs> Cosmic Ghost Rider goes to fight Hela. That's that's weird that that's like the third coolest thing about this book. Cosmic Ghost Rider versus Hela. This book is so fucking cool, man. But it doesn't last long. She she, she burns him up pretty good. <laughs> uh, uh, man, Thanos is back is the point of this issue. Thanos is back because Hela takes Eros to Thanos' full body and then magic, science, however it works, lasers. Thanos opens his eyes in Thanos' body. Dope. Let's talk about future Guardians of the Galaxy. Old Man Quill, number five, Ethan Sachs, Robert Gill, Andres Mosa. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The Vision. She's alive. Vision's daughter. She's a hero seeker. I don't Hunter? I don't know. She wants heroes around her. She needs them. I don't know what her purpose is. She finds out the uh, Quill and Dim. They in town. So she sends out some motherfuckers to go bring them to her. Meanwhile, Nova is like, you know what? I'm going to go fuck up the Church of Truth base. Like, I have a feeling I got this, this, this insight, this tip. Whatever his motivation is, he's got a good hunch that he can go in and beat it up. And when he goes in to beat it all up, I'm like, oh, that was kind of easy. A little too easy. That's weird. And then some mysterious object shows up and he's like, oh, what was that? And that's, that's what's happening there. <laughs> But, uh, uh, me in the, the, I don't, this is, this is just a fucking weird goddamn story. It's great. It's, it's hard to explain, <laughs> but it's the future guardians of the galaxy being the guardians of the galaxy in the future. Like you would hope they would be weird shit, man. I like the fact that they're fighting the universal church of truth, but it clicked. The Immortal Hulk, number 17, Legacy 734, Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, and Paul Mounts. Banner got shot. Banner's wounded. Agent Burbank after that motherfucker. Uh, Dr. McGowan and General 14 look beyond a distance. Or from a distance beyond a distance. Jesus Christ. Uh, They're pretty much in command of Burbank. Take down... Bruce is the mission. Well, Burbank got a grudge. He's gonna play with Bruce a little bit. He ain't getting cocky. Letting Bruce get a little bit bit of uh, an advantage. Well, that fucks him. Bruce takes advantage. Uh, He he does go to, you know, physically fight him. Uh, Bruce is wounded and puny banner. He fucks up his hand. (laughs) But... Oh, and that's because Burbank is now a uh, military-grade plastic, is what happens. He's not so, you know, it's not, like, that bad. But, you know, it's, it would be like punching a brick wall. Well, Bruce is still smart. He goes for the, the twigs and berries, knees them. Those ain't plastic, as he exclaims and runs away. Well, Bruce being Bruce, time to use his brain. Well, what we find out is this ain't Bruce the whole time. This is Joe motherfucking fix it. And we know that sunlight is bad for him. 
Well, there, this facility that he's in is rigged. All these lights are rigged to be able to contain such a thing by producing massive amounts of sunlight. Joe, fix it. In Bruce Banner's body is what's going on here. How? Don't know, but it's happening. Deal with it. I'm sure it'll be explained. Or I missed something. I don't think so, though. I think this is a question that's going to be answered in the future. Uh, Bruce Banner gets on the computer. Well, it is even mentioned that you know, Bruce Banner, he's, he's smart as fuck, but he doesn't know computers good. <laughs> well, the thing is, sometimes you don't have to be the smartest guy, you just gotta be smarter than the dumbest guy. And he does the whole thing where you take a pencil to the sticky notepad and hope that there's a password and username written next to it when you reveal whatever was written on the pad. You know, understand how the magic trick works. Um, well, it worked. So he gets in and he's able to... What he's able to do with this lighting system is he, in his scientific ways, he's able to mix the lime and the coconut and turn the UV into gamma radiation. Well, he over-gammifies the fucking goddamn bit just as Agent Burbank walks in. He's like, ah, blah, 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 Shoots the fuck out of Bruce. Well, Bruce rises up. He heals like goddamn a T-1000 in Terminator 2. It's fucking great. Goddamn this art. This is a horror book. It's still a horror book. It's still a fucking horror book. Just based off the goddamn art. Well... Uh, super amounts of gamma start pouring down, and you see this fucking goddamn Hulk. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Look at that, dude. It's just... Uh, and he just... Burbank's dead. Fuck your goddamn military gray plastic. Bitch! I'm the Hulk. Meanwhile, uh, fucking General 14's like, Ah, oh, release the Kraken! Only it ain't a Kraken. Remember, remember how Bruce showed up in this place to begin with. Well, he's looking for his old buddy Rick Jones because of the corpse that was dug up. Remember? Remember? Well, Rick Jones has been experimented on to the point where he is no longer a person. We get Abomination 2. And holy fuck. Look. I- I've heard the teases. They say wait till he, he uh, the hand opens up. And I, I wonder what the fuck that was, but I wasn't going to look. I didn't want to click, because I wanted to read this book myself and see that reveal. God damn. Dude, dude, best issue of Immortal Hulk by far, by far. I get I, I get it now. This is, this is amazing. I was ex- expecting first appearance of Red Harpy, on account of 16 was the first cameo, so-called, of Red Harpy. No, we're getting the first cameo of Abomination. Via Rick Jones. Fuck, that's good. Amazing Spider-Man number 21. Legacy 822. Part 5 of Hunted. Nick Spencer, Ryan Sandoval, Gerardo Sandoval, Nick Nova, Edgar Delgado, and Eric Arcianega. Covered by Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. Spider-Man surrounded. Craven shows up. Craven saves Spider-Man. Spider-Man's confused because Craven saves Spider-Man. Craven explained to Spider-Man, Spider-Man suffer. Craven go away. Uh, Lizard, Kurt Connors, he's in the same cell, but he don't have no chains. He explains, look at the screen. They look at the screen. Well, it's Black Cat. And old Billy Connors, little lizard boy, fixing to die by the hands of Craven Jr. Or whatever 
Craven's son's name is. Well, it's that's the the suffering right there. They have to watch their loved ones die, or do they? Well, the the plan is, well, the the uh, lizard has a contention. Well, if I if I leave, uh, all them guards out there are gonna shoot the fuck out of me. And if I if I get past the guards, I have this little thingy in my spine that'll go boomy if they make it. Spider Man says, "Well, I'll, I'll try to cut it out." And Lizard says, well, it might probably fucking kill me. And Spider-Man ain't about that life. And he's like, never mind. And Lizard says, but I could be a lizard. And maybe I'll heal faster and gooder and I'll make it. And so they try it. And it works. (laughs) We'll find out what happens next week. Or in two weeks. This is uh, not my favorite story. I only I, I can honestly say the only thing I've enjoyed about the hunted arc has been the panels at Craven's and Craven is written very well. I believe Craven. I believe Craven's motives. I'm can I, I just eh, not highly entertained by the rest of it. I understand trying to humanize the villains and sympathize and all of that. I just I'm not buying this one. Eh, it is what it is. I think six ends it. We'll find out. Uh, Uncanny X-Men. Number 18. Legacy 640. Matthew Rosenberg. <laughs> Carlos Villa. Ron Blasco. Craig Young. And Guru FX did the colors. And Wills Protasio and Eric Arcianega did the cover. Everybody's dying. Everybody's quitting in this story. <laughs> I love it. Uh, mighty bold of you, Rosenberg. You know what? <laughs> he finds out that his his series is getting canceled and all of the X-Men's getting rebooted by Hickman. Why not just fucking kill everybody and really give Hickman some work to do? <laughs> you know, fix this, bitch. I'm killing everybody. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he's doing it out of spite. I would be, be knowing that I'm writing a damn good X-Men story that has a fuck ton of fans, despite the few people that hate everything. Uh, it's <laughs> fuck it. Uh, who? Let's see. Let's just wrap it up here. Uh, Karma quits. Uh, Wolverine quits. It starts with Wolverine quitting, ends with Karma quitting. Uh, Chamber dies. Um, they kill a whole bunch of Marauders. Sinister shows up. He clones himself. All the clones turn into a goddamn cartoon giant. We've got giant sinister now. Uh, <laughs> and Havoc, fucking Havoc's out like he's never Havoc'd out before, takes down giant sinister. Uh, only one person throughout all uh, acknowledges how easy that was, despite how hard Havoc, you know, Havoc ends up in the hospital and overworked his poor whale shelf. But he's still all about it. Fuck it, let's go do it some more. Meanwhile, they finally acknowledge Emma Frost again. The fact is that, you know, in that last issue, they mentioned, Juggernaut mentions Emma Frost. He's like, why ain't you guys going after Emma Frost? And I was like, who the fuck is Emma Frost? What? How do you not know who Emma Frost is? So, uh, yeah. Uh, Alex was like, well, I think we should go after this Emma Frost bitch. And Cyclops is, eh, don't. I don't agree. 
I'm gonna go give Sinister to Captain America so he can put him in a mutant jail. Birdie, 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 bird. I like it. <laughs> I really like what Rosenberg's doing with this story. I think partially because I, I, I didn't think I'd be seeing Havoc for a really, really, really long time after the aston- uh, Astonishing X-Men run. God damn. <laughs> so good. Don't cancel it. We could just have two... Let's just have a multiverse of X-Men stories. We can have the Hickman-verse and the Rosenberg-verse. Fuck it. Why not? Daredevil, number five, Legacy 617. This is No Fear, part five. Chip Zersky, Marco Cicchetto, and Sonny Go. Covered by Julian Titino Tedesco. That's a fun name to say. Daredevil's after the owl. The owl kind of set up the whole... Uh, well, there's, he sets some stuff up, but at the same time, he's just, he's getting a little cocky. Uh, he's never been able to be so evil on account of lack of Daredevil. Well, Daredevil back there, Daredevil's not going to allow all of this to happen. And the fact is, he's kind of a lower level guy, so it's easier for Daredevil to get his get his chops back. If You know, he's still trying to get on his feet. He's still stumbling, bumping into buildings and whatnot. He got fucked up. He got hit by a truck again. Well, he's going after the owls fuckers. The owls fuckers are overwhelming him. Defenders show up. thought that was cool. Defenders show up. They shave the day. They take Matt back to the, the, the Defenders apartment. <laughs> and Matt confesses. I feel bad. I, I, I might have actually killed this guy. I don't know if I was set up after all. You know, I put it all in my head. Maybe I did. And all the defenders are pretty much trying to uh, comfort him. Well, fucking people die, you know. It's, it happens. Sometimes we got to punch 12 dudes and some dude over here behind us just so happens to, you know, take a fucking building to the face. And <laughs> Daredevil doesn't like that. He's like, wait, y'all have killed? And <laughs> kind of... He's fucked up by this. <laughs> He's, wait. So he takes off. He goes home. Fuck it. And he hears a little creaky, creaky, creaky through his house. And Spider-Man's there. And Spider-Man is pretty much telling Matt, oh, you're kind of unhinged right now. We don't really trust what the fuck you're doing. Hand it over. And Matt's like, oh, here's the mask. You can have it. Done. <laughs> That's it. That's it. He's the, the the devil no more. Uh, yeah, uh, Daredevil pretty much fucking retires. It's <laughs> it's great. I mean, this is obviously an ongoing series. This isn't a a, a mini. If this were a mini, I mean, I'd <laughs> I'd be fine with it. I will say that Chip Zdarsky through five issues of Daredevil may possibly be writing one of my favorite Marvel comics. I mean, Marco Cicchetto is. The most underutilized, underrated, underappreciated artist Marvel has, period. Hands down. What he did with Old Man Hawkeye was fucking mind-blowing. And now he's next-leveling it with Daredevil. Chip Zarsky? Fuck. If you're not reading Daredevil, you're missing out. I don't think you really like Marvel Comics. Because it's one of the best... i repeating myself. The mead is working. I'm drinking mead. On this podcast, I forgot to mention. No beer this week. War of the Realms, Strike Force, War Avengers, number one. 
Dennis Hopeless, Kim Jacinto, and Felipe Sabrario, covered by Jim... Kim <laughs> Try that again. I just said this name. Kim Jacinto and Matt Hollingsworth. And of all of the Strike Force teams that were announced, all three of them, this was easily the one that was most intriguing to me. And you could tell just by on the cover. It's fucking... That's dope. And... If you know me and my opinions on certain characters, you might think, what, that would not be the cover you would think. Because, you know, Captain Marvel's leading this team. If you know my history of this character, you know I've never liked a comic or how she's ever been written, ever. I've never liked it whatsoever. Something told me that this book was going to change my mind about the way she's written and my opinion towards her. I was right. So... Captain America tells Captain Marvel, um, you're, you're, you're defending Midgard. There's not very many people left on Midgard, because if you're following the story, portals are all over the place, teams are dispersed everywhere, strike forces, and... It's a huge fucking story. I'm sure, you gotta know this. Let's, let's start out with who's on the team. Uh, spread out, we've got Bucky and Black Widow, they're on their own... Mission, doing something. Meanwhile, Venom, Deadpool, Captain Marvel, and Weapon H, along with Lady Sif, are holding shit down. And Captain Britain shows up as well. Let's start at the beginning, because the beginning is my favorite part. Deadpool fighting Flame Shark. Deadpool lures Flame Shark down into sea. That's where one would put out Shark, right? Or Flame. Well... Still a fucking shark. Namor shows up. Namor... <laughs> but not before Deadpool gets eaten <laughs> by a shark. Namor makes it so Deadpool's not in the shark anymore. And he pretty much says, Explain yourself, weird one. Deadpool says, This seemed like a good fucking idea. Meanwhile, Captain Marvel and Lady Sif show up. And really, their idea is to actually try to bargain with Namor, and it just so happens that Deadpool's there. Uh, gotta love a convenient Marvel plot, but, uh, <laughs> Namor ain't having it. He's like, I don't trust you fucking bitches, I don't know who this, uh, red clown fucker is. Bye-bye. Deadpool is intrigued. Y'all starting a team? I'm doing a fucking team. I'm doing a fucking team. Captain Marvel says you're in. They go back to... <laughs> it's, it's fucking great. Well, uh, Captain Marvel is... How do I explain her in this? She, she's a, a stone-cold bitch without being a bitch. The way she explains her duty is extremely fucking noble. Deadpool pretty much says, I don't think we can win this fight. And Captain Marvel says, we're not here to win this fight. Sometimes you have to fall on a spear so the people behind, you know, to slow the the people down so the people behind you can get through. You know, you, you just you just got to put up the best fight you can to drag it out in hopes that the better bet prevails. Uh, we're not going to be the ones to win this. Someone better than us will. And she's presuming that to be Captain America and Freya, the, those other two strike force teams, because they really do have the bigger duty. And the it's just uh, the, the the panel is is amazing. Even with Deadpool very being very fucking Deadpool in it, it doesn't take away from it all. 
And then we get the meeting between Clay and Deadpool, which is fucking great. And then Venom and Deadpool, which is fucking great. Essentially, the fact that they, they get together, minus Bucky and Natasha that are doing their own thing, let's just go fucking attack Malekith. And they go to do that, Malekith, well, he's, he's a bad motherfucker. He takes a sword uh, from uh, um, one of Captain Britain's fuckers, Black Knight. I guess I forgot to mention Britain, Captain Britain comes in and saves their asses for a second through a portal as they're getting swarmed by Dark Elves. Then they go to attack Malekith, so that happens. Then we meet the Black Knight. The sword is something. The sword turns out to be the sword of Null. Well, Null being the symbiote god, and we're going to get Venom tying in. Uh, if you've been reading this issue, you know that at some point in time, you know, fucking Malekith has Venom as a pet. I think that's the whole fucking cover of War of the Realms issue number four. Well, that's what this is going on right here. Null stabs him with that sword, Venom, and he go poof. They just fucking disappear. Well, Captain Marvel and team go back to base, and they're just fuck. We failed. That's, uh, we're this is it. I, I mean, we that that sucked. <laughs> But the, the the way the story's all told and everything, I was very, 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 very happy with my uh, my expectations. I expected this to be the best Strike Force book and high expectations of Captain Marvel. They were met. Uh, m- possibly my favorite tie-in issue so far from the series. Giant Man, number one. <laughs> Lee Williams... Marco Castillo and Rachel Rosenberg, covered by Wu Dei Shim. This is not a necessary miniseries, but fuck is it goddamn entertaining, and does it have a lot of potential. The events of this take place right after issue number two of War of the Realms, so it goes way back, and why it wasn't released in the proper time is beyond me. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But it is what it is. I don't... Yeah. Fact is, we got four giant turning people. And these four giant turning people are Atlas, Goliath, Giant Man, and of course Ant-Man. is assembling these people to blend in with the Frost Giants. And take down... And avenge Loki. They gotta get into Lofi's fortress. King Lofi's fortress. They gotta eat Loki, his son. Freya wants him dead. So, she sends these guys in, and they go in loincloths and blue paint skin ablazing. They go full blue face. <laughs> cue, cue the... Never mind. Jesus Christ. It's it's a guilty pleasure book. I fucking love it. That's, that's what it is. That's what's going on here. I don't know if it advances the story. <laughs> just, every goddamn page is hilarious. Uh... Scott Lang is great. We get frost dogs that corner them into a giant wall of death, and that's that's how this issue ends. They they get found out because someone fucking accidentally shrinks. <laughs> it's, it's goofy as fuck. I love it. Um, War of the Realms number four. Woo, motherfucking doggy. This book. This book right here. Jason Aaron, Russell Dalterman, and Matthew Wilson. Covered by Arthur Adams and Matthew Wilson. 
all of Freya's Dark Elf Strike Force team are out in different realms recruiting those who are left of Malachis Carnage. Let's let's get together. We got to do what we can. I mean, other ones, what the fuck? You guys are fucked regardless. So let's do this. We got Punisher. He goes to Alfheim. She-Hulk goes to Nidavella. Blade goes to Vanishheim. Ghost Rider goes to Niflheim. And we know Cap was in Jotunheim. He found Thor. Brings Thor back. That's the big part about this book. Thor is back. They put him in rest for a bit. Hoping that you forget about him. And you do. Because Jason Iron knows how to write a story. <clears throat> well, meanwhile, Malekith has Venom. This is, remember how I was talking about that a second ago? Malekith decides to take base at Stonehenge. Yeah, that's Stonehenge, just for a moment. And then uh, we flash over to, back to the base, and Odin pops back out in his way, and we know that he's not dead. He came in on battle, brought all the, the remaining Asgardians. They all fucking died. <laughs> uh, but he's he's still alive, but he's not combat worthy. He comes back. He he pops out all drunk. Where's Marvel? Where's Freya? And it was like Freya refused to came come back. She's the 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 dark uh, the 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 black. What do they fucking call it? Not Bifrost. You know what I'm trying to say though. That thing. She's protecting that. Meanwhile, so Odin, Odin wants to go fix her. He's, I'm the only one that has the ability to go do that, because if we were to all do that, then you guys wouldn't be able to come back, and I'm, I'm me, and you're not me. And well, Throughout this story, you might be wondering, where the fuck is Tony Stark? He's not doing much. He's been doing something really fucking cool. He's been working with Screwbeard and Shuri. Making the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Fucking Iron Allfather. They were making an Iron Man suit worthy of Odin. Soak that in, bitch. He goes, meets up with Freya, and they're fighting Malekith, and they actually fucking win. Malekith retreats for a moment, and there's a moment of solitude. Everyone's like, oh, fuck. Let's gather our thoughts. We got this. We got this. We got this. And that's how the second act of this... This event ends. And fuck, dude. The, you, it's not just... It's not just Odin shows up with Freya for a second and you get, you know, th- this implied fight. You get a whole bunch of fighting and then you get this implication that they're about to die. They, they do their thing. They triumph, but in vain. Um, it's... The art... This fucking art is fantastic this is this is incredible the a lot of times marvel events are overhyped and i will say that there's a lot of cash grabs going on in this event you know hence giant man and all that shit but i like the fact that marvel's also flexing just when you think you forgot about a character they fucking make a goddamn book about it so that's fuck that's good well the last book of the overviews, we got another War of the Realms tie-in, but we got Spider-Man and League of the Realms. Sean Ryan, Nico Leon, and Carlos Lopez. This takes place after issue four. Essentially, Captain America gives... Yeah, he's giving all of the orders. He gives uh, Spider-Man the... No, I'm sorry. It's not Captain America this time. It's not. It's Thor. Thor! 
tells Spider-Man, you're the most Midgardian person I know. Go do this. I'm going to give you this team. Uh, take a troll. Take a take an angel. Take a blah, blah, blah. Take, take a this. Take a that. <laughs> uh, you, you get where I'm going with this. Uh, and go get this bitch named Fernanda. She's an angel. The angels have Africa as a territory, so the story takes place in Africa. And at first, this bitch attacks Spider-Man and the crew, and then Spider-Man being Spider-Man goes through, and he's all diplomatic, and he's like, you know, your life sucks. Maybe it doesn't have to suck. And Malekith finds out, and he's like, ah, treason! Let's get this bitch! And what's her face? Uh, Fernanda's, um, oh, what's the queen? I'm like, oh, sorry, we'll, we'll pay for this. We'll get, go get that. Malekith says, no, 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 no. You ain't gonna do shit. I got something way, way, way worse for that bitch. I'm gonna bring on Curse. And Curse is, um, he looks terrifying. So that's how that ends. It's just a little side shot. Once again, a very unnecessary story, if you were to ask me. But if you're a Spider-Man fan, fucking awesome. Because it's a very Spider-Man-y book. He's, the art's great. There, there's a moment in here. <laughs> my, my favorite moment in here. Uh, Spider-Man and one of his teammates. You know, none of these people are, they're all from different planets. They're weary of each other. Uh, they get bombarded when they when they do get bombarded by Fernanda at first. The one of the guys like you ain't killing anybody with your what does he say your your fucking sticky licorice <laughs> your 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 white licorice. Spider Man says, "Well, I'm not trying to kill him." The guy turns his gun. He's like, "What do you mean you're not trying to kill him?" He's like, "No, no, I'm trying to disarm him. I'm just that's not how I roll. I don't kill people." He's like, "What the fuck are you doing here then?" I I, I don't know. It's it's written better than I I talked it. Fact is, it's a Spider-Man fucking book. Read it. Oh, that's good stuff. Do we? Let's talk about honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Okay, let's do that. Uh, I succumbed to hype. I originally did not get this book. I tend to get this book. Naomi, I missed out. I guess it's a thing. Fucking super... I, I guess issue one's going for like 200 bucks or something like that. It's fucking ridiculous. I don't know what's going on with this character. I don't know anything about it. But something told me that the fifth, fifth issue of her miniseries would be something. And I guess it's the origin of her powers, even though I guess a lot of people are still confused as to what that origin actually is. But hype's hype. I picked it up because it's probably going to work. Be, it, what's the price I got at $4? I bet you it's a $6 book. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe... I I don't know what's going on with Naomi. Maybe you guys can fill me in. Lucifer! Uh, from the Sandman universe. DC Vertigo. A book I'm reading in spurts at this point. Because it's just... there's It's, it's dense, but it's, it's good. And it's been so good. Spider-Man Life Story number 3. The 80s this time. Uh, this is my most anticipated decades book. And the next actually being the 90s, because I saw that fucking cover. It's so goddamn 90s. The Spider-Man in the 80s and 90s. That's that's the Spider-Man that would interest me the most. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read them, I promise. You just won't hear me overview them. Unless they're absolutely amazing. It is Chip Zarsky, though. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I will. That's the whole thing. 
Uh, American Gods, Moment of the Storm, number two. So this... Alright, so I read issue one, and I realized that it's going to have a lot to do... I have a feeling that if there were a season three of the show American Gods, and I haven't watched season two yet, I've only watched the first couple episodes, this feels like this would, whatever is in this book would be season three, because Wednesday's dead in this, and Wednesday's not dead in season two of the show. So I don't want to miss anything, because I like the show. Comic's fucking great, though. It's Neil Gaiman, man. Gaiman. Gaiman. I don't know. Go, go, Power Rangers, number 20. Um, I, 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 I like, I like this team a lot. There was just a couple of issues where it got way too, we're in high school and not enough punchy punchy for me for, for so for whatever reason it fell to the bot or not with not the bottom, but to the lower end of my priority list. So when there's a dense week and go, go comes out, sometimes I don't talk about it. I'll, I will get to this eventually and read it. Marvel Tales, I haven't been reading any of the Marvel Tales books, but Iron Man, it's fucking Iron Man, and then if you open it up, it's, ew, eh, ew, eh, it's fucking old school, man, this is, ah, it's, it's just nostalgia, it's all, it's just nostalgia, that's all I got for honorable mentions, wall books. Only one. And it's a good one. Got a... What the fuck is this? <laughs> I think it's the Spider-Man in the Liga. What is this? Oh, fuck. This is War of the Realms. <laughs> I thought... Oh, shit. That's even cooler. I thought this was the League of the Realms. Uh, this is the Aaron Cooter variant. I like this quite a bit. It's got the one of the strike for the Captain America, Spider Man, Iron Fist, without Luke Cage and Wolverine Strike Force team, and they're standing on the head of a frost giant. Aaron Cooter, man, it's a fucking Young Guns. Dig it. Only wall book I picked up though. Uh, some some weeks are prettier than others. We have a creator corner, don't we? Not a creator corner, a uh, creator submission. So, let's talk about that. Alright, if you've been following this podcast, you know that I like it when indie creators send me their their stuff. And a lot of times it's very, very unheard of people. And if something's worthy of mentioning, I do my best to expose it. And there's there's an audience out there... For everything, uh, it may not always be for me, but I still want to give things a fair review. Sometimes I find stuff that I really, really, really fucking love. So this week, the creator submission goes to Butcher with a Smile by Tom Gilfoyle and Matt Lanky Fair, and the cover by Ollie Wharton is fucking incredible. That immediately intrigued me. I dug it quite a bit. Mason. Producer Mason, you read this along with me, didn't you? Yeah. Right on. So essentially, this, this is a, a, it's a, without giving a whole lot of the story away, because I don't think it's technically released yet, we'll have more, all of the release information in the, the description of the podcast, but it's a crime mystery horror type of thing. I, I, I get a lot of, uh, 
a modern day Jack the Ripper type of vibe from it initially. So I don't know. It's what 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 were your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts were definitely that it's 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 really it it's got a direction it's trying to go. I just feel like sometimes it's inconsistent and the dialogue gets a little bit more drawn out than I expected. Um it's definitely a neat story. I'd like to see more of the story. I I'm don't want to dog the guys at all for what they're doing. They're obviously doing something pretty cool. And I, I can definitely see the niche for it. Yeah. I definitely can see the niche for it. Yeah, no, I could totally see a following for this, for sure. I mean, anything horror, there's always, there's always a following. No matter what level of horror it is, there's always a following. But certain things seemed inconsistent to me, and a little bit was sometimes the shading, but, I mean, that's just something you get better at as you go along. Yeah, for sure. You could tell that it's a, uh, a beginning artist. It's still, I mean, an artist worthy to be put in a comic. This isn't something where someone, you're, you're not ready. No, no it's not no, the case not at, at all. This is great. I, I, I dig the style. I kind of, I mean, I, 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 I see where you're going with this style for sure. Uh, a lot of it... But we can also kind of see that you're learning as you're going too. Yeah, yeah. There's there's actually moments in here where and you, the the I'm going to pay you the biggest compliment I think I could ever pay anybody ever. There's a single panel in here where I got a Sam Keith vibe for just a second. Sam Keith is my favorite person to ever do art in the history of anything. So there is uh, a couple of panels in there where I really get that. I could see the inspiration for sure. But like like Mason said, it, it but it kind of bounces back in an inconsistent way. Not bad, just inconsistent. Yeah, and I think that's really my only negative comment that I have is inconsistent. But that kind of expands into it's it's got an inconsistent art style sometimes. It's got and not the art style itself really, but inconsistent elements within the art style. Right, right, right. And maybe that's just a consistency for the art style. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> but the dialogue um, flavor and tone seems kind of inconsistent. And some of the characters, there are moments that they're supposed to be emotional about. I don't feel like you gave us a reason to be emotional about them. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, could, I, could, I would say that's, that's a fair assessment. Uh, but I wouldn't go. I mean, I wouldn't say that there's. Uh, we're we're not completely detached either. We're, no. There's, we're, there's definitely intrigue. You you want to know what the hell's going on? I wouldn't have read I, through it if there wasn't intrigue. Right. I, I would have quit if I if I wasn't if I wasn't intrigued by the story. Right. I, I would have quit. And uh, essentially, what it, it follows these two detectives, and there's a, a a killer just fucking shit up in a back alley. Hence the Jack the Ripper vibe that I get. And it's this uh, smiley woman fucking shit up. And that's, yeah. yeah but the detective well, split it's, up. It's loosely in based on the, uh, the slit mouth woman legend from Japan. Yeah, see, I don't know anything about that. You're the one that pointed that out. Uh, that, that's why I have you review these things. Because you know that if there's something fucking weird to be pulled from something, you somehow have that knowledge. <laughs> but, uh, but I get where they're going with it. Um no, I, uh, I I definitely do, and I I have faith that you know. If, I mean, if an issue two were to come out, 
there's there's promise and progress for sure. The, I just say keep it up and uh, keep trying to refine yourself. Never stop trying to advance. Yeah, it's, I think it comes down to just technical things. the uh, The idea of the story itself is still, like I said, intriguing. Is the is a very the story itself and the artwork themselves are good. Just huh. Huh. a little refining on both. That's yeah, it. Absolutely, absolutely. So the I, I I dig it. I do for sure. I will have all of the information as to where you can read it in the description once again. So yeah, cheers guys. Thanks for submitting. Any other creators out there that are listening, you know what to do. Fucking find us. Uh, the Cheers to Comics Podcast at Gmail dot com is where you send me your stuff. Sure. Let's get on to all of the picks of the week. My favorites of everything. Let's start with covers. Uh, there was not a bad cover this week. <laughs> this is an impossible task, actually. Oh, fuck, man. It really is an impossible task. Do you like the old man quill? I I would the old man quill is really good. It's simple, it's elegant. The I I love the 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 fucking color palette. Oh man, I don't know. I ha- I might have to go with my variant, my one variant this week. The fucking Aaron Cooter. That's Spider Man, sitting on a goddamn chair, sitting on the head of a frost giant, and Captain America and Iron Fist. That's Aaron Cooter, man. He's just—he's got so many fucking styles. It's good. He's not sitting on a chair. He has a shield on his back. Oh, that is a shield on his back. <laughs> I'm gonna say, where do you get a chair? No, that makes much more sense. Um, Spider-Man with a shield makes much more sense. Fucking—I—I—I I, I dig that cover quite a bit. My my runner-up would probably be the Transformers cover, though. Oh, it's pretty fucking pretty. Interiors go to Batman. Um, Batman's in the top picks again, guys. We're getting better. We're getting better. I'm telling you, I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater, I promise. I'm not a fucking hater. I just, when I like something and I... uh, I don't want to say just because it doesn't go my way doesn't mean it's bad. But, uh, I was getting worried. I'm not really worried anymore. Now, art. Goddamn, that art. But my book of the week... Uh, I I I went back and forth. Was it Daredevil? Was it Justice League? Was it Daredevil? Was it Justice League? It was Daredevil. Chip Zarsky's Daredevil. So fucking good. I don't know where it's gonna go from here, but I uh, I like it. I like it quite a fucking bit. Quite a fucking bit. Otherwise, the the war 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 Avengers or yeah. War, war, the other Strike Force book, yeah, War Avengers. That'd probably be in the top three. So, there was. <laughs> Read all of those books I talked about. That's the point of this podcast. Let's talk about what I'll be talking about next week when I talk about comics. Next week's hype. Uh, bear with me as I go through these because I haven't even fucking looked at them yet. But um, uh, let's let's do this together, guys. Let's do this together. Let's start out with the uh, Dark Horse. 
Invisible Kingdom number three, G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward. I'm not reading this book. I picked up issue one because I thought that this would be a super hot book because everything G. Willow Wilson touches blows the fuck up. Well, I don't hear any hype about this yet, but I'm here to remind the, the people that are reading it. Let's move on to DC. Action Comics number 1011, 1011, Brian Michael Bendis and Steve Epting. Leviathan. Batgirl number 35, Marguerite Scott, Paul Pelletier, and Norm Ratman. I'm not reading Batgirl, but I think I've purchased the last, like, I don't know, between 8 and 11 issues on account of the Josh Middleton variants. Sure, yeah, that's going on. Batman Beyond number 32, Dan Jurgens, Rick Leonardo, and Aunt Leonardi, and Andy Parks. Batman Beyond is one of the greatest DC titles I've ever read in my fucking life. So, obviously be reading that one. Flash number 71, Joshua Williamson, Howard Porter. We're doing the year one thing again. Uh... I I jumped on Flash again. I've jumped on and on on and off of Flash three times now since I've done this podcast. And I was going to jump off again after issue 70. And I was somebody convinced me and said just give it one more issue. Uh shout out to Comicast Boogie Bentley on that one. He convinced me. So you better not make me waste $4 Boogie. Justice League Dark number 11, James Tinney and the Fourth Alvaro, Eduardo Martinez Bueno, and Raul Fernandez. Oh, Martian Manhunter number 5, Steve Orlando and Riley Rosmo. If you're into weird shit, this is your book. This is a fucking weird goddamn book. Silencer number 17. I thought this book was done. Okay, Dan Abnett and Candace Marion. I thought they ended it at 16. Oh, sideways maybe. Silencer, I think, is the last remaining of the the new DC heroes they tried out. Everybody else done. Damage is done. Terrifics is done. Uh, all of them. Wonder Woman number seventy one. G Willow Wilson, Carrie Nord, and Mick Gray. Dynamite Entertainment. I know there's some Battlestar Galactica, Twilight Command four number or number four fans out there. Michael Marici and Brayo Tamara. IDW. Oh, we got an IDW. Fucking. Oh, shit. I love G.I. Joe still a thing. Real American Hero number 262. Larry Hama, Neto Diaz. Still going at it. The second longest running indie comic below Spawn. Well. Oh, Assassination number three, Kyle Starks, Erica Henderson from Image Comics. I have a feeling this is going to be a big Image Comic week. I fucking love me some Assassinations. Assassination. Uh, Middle West number seven, Scotty Young, Jorge Corona. Fucking dope book. Redneck number 20, Donny Cates, Lissandro Theron, and D. Kniff. One of the few Donny Cates titles I have not read, but I hear great things. I guess it's not going to be a huge image comic week. I lied. Marvel Comics, Age of X-Men, Amazing Nightcrawler number four, Shauna McGuire, and Juan Frigeri. 
I'm not reading any more. I'm I'm actually you know what I'm gonna go and say it. I'm glad I didn't buy into all twenty five of these books and just got the issue number ones and I only got the issue number ones because of the connecting in Yuck Lee variants. Um none of this stuff is going to matter because Robert Hickman. Sorry. As Guardians of the Galaxy number nine, Colin Bunn and Paolo Villanelli. In the printing and story, you know that's tying into the War of the Realms. Avengers number nineteen, Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. You know that's tying into the War of the Realms. Doctor Strange number fourteen, Mark Wade, Barry Kitson, and Barry Kitson. That does not say War of the Realms on it. Hmm, what do you know? Uh, what are they doing? Oh, we got another Marvel comic presents. They're at number five now. Charles Soule and Paulo Sicaria, along with a bunch of others. Uh, oh, Miles Morales, number six. Saladin Ahmed and Javier Garone. Loving some Miles Morales. Mr. and Mrs. X, number 11. Kelly Thompson and Oscar Bazaldua. Sherry number eight, and Decky Okafor, and Rachel Scott. Oh, we're gonna go get a whole bunch of Age of Rebellion with the Star Wars. Job of the Hut, Greg Pack, Emilio Liso, Marco Torini, and Roland Boshi. Okay, so here's the deal. I don't do the I don't buy Star Wars books unless it's Vader. I, if you listen to the last podcast, you know I got a bit of a bone to pick with Greg Pack, but I also went on to say that I'm not dismissing him as a writer on account of the whole Agents of Atlas thing. I'm gonna, I'm going to get this book not just because it's Jabba the Hutt, but because I want to see how Greg Pack redeems himself in a Star Wars book. I also happen to know that he's also doing another Age of Rebellion book that is in fact Darth Motherfucking Vader. And you know I'm, I'm I'm getting it. But that's not this week. Tony Stark, Iron Man, number 11, Dan Slott, Valerio Schiede. Um, This this arc, Dan Slott's Iron Man is no Brian Michael Bendis Iron Man. But uh, I feel the, the this, this arc's getting better, so. Yeah. Uh, Unstoppable Wasp, number 8, Jeremy Whitley and Goody Heedle. I said that wrong. Fact is, this series is dying at issue number 10. Marvel saying no more Wasp. She is, in fact, stopped. Venom number 14. Colin Bunn and Ivan Coelho taken over for a bit during the War of the Realms stuff. While Donny Cates goes off and writes Silver Surfer for a moment. Yes, Donny Cates going to be giving us a motherfucking Silver Surfer. And, ooh, Journey into Mystery again. More War of the Realms. Fuck, there's a god of... Uh, five War of the Realms tie-ins next week. Clint McElroy and Andre Rujo. And we got Moon Knight on the cover, as was teased in the last one. Oh, boy. Agents Atlas number two already. Oh, gee. Greg Pak and Gang Hyuk Lim. I'm going to go ahead and say that I won't be overviewing this one, but it's weird to be purchasing it because I'm a completionist. Oh, War of the Realms Punisher number two. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ, Marvel. You're killing me. Jerry Duggan and Marcello Ferreria. 
Uh, unnecessary tie-in. Extremely fucking entertaining tie-in. <laughs> Jesus God. <laughs> War of the Realm, Strike Force, Land of the Giants. So we're going to go back a bit. Uh, Pre-issue number four. And we're going to get more of an interaction of Captain America and Spider-Man and Wolverine and Iron Fist and Luke Cage interacting with Thor before they take him back. Because that's how time travel works. What is that, number eight? The eighth one? Let's talk number nine. Matthew Rosenberg and Perry Perez. Uh, I've got, I'm covering all of these books, not just for the podcast, but I'm actually reviewing these for another site. Uh, I have nine reviews to write next week. That's. I don't know if you're... Uh... I don't know if your estimation is right there, but you got a few. I think like, I'm you're talking I'm about just like for War of the Realms. Yeah, I'm not sure I counted nine, but okay. Yeah, I think I'm at nine. We'll we'll find out. I have a feeling you'll find I'm out at. when you write them all. It's yeah. at least seven. I'll agree with that. It's probably around at least seven. Let's move on to some independents, because because I think Marvel ran out of ink. Animosity from Aftershock Comics, written number 21, Marguerite Bennett and Raphael de la Tour. I read the first couple issues of this book way back when it started. And it's good. What the fuck? A Kevin Eastman book, guys. Drawing Blood, Spilled Ink, number one. Kevin Eastman, Dave Avalon, and a few others. Oh, that's... Ex- I, don't know. What's, I don't know what this book's about. What's it about? Uh, cartoonist. So, I don't know. But it's Kevin Eastman, so I'm sure it's going to be great. How do I go back? Thank you. And, yeah. Fucking, oh boy. Let's just, uh, time traveling. I bet you there's a bunch more books, but... I think we've talked about enough. There are so many goddamn books. Go to your local comic book store, find a bunch of books on Wednesday, and, uh, yeah, yeah, join the, join the fucking fun. Sure. That's, uh, yeah, this is shit. I think that's, that's about all I got to talk about. I did this in record time. So many books. God damn, so many books. You guys know what to do. Find us. Twitter us. Give us money on Patreon. All of that good stuff. You read responsibly, nerds. Cheers. Raising my horn.